the Say Something Podcast is brought to you by a moment with Morris.com and BlackBlueprints.com. That's BlackBlueprints with a Z.com. I'm Jermaine Morris here with the one and only Mr. Barry Axius. Yes, sir. We are back with the newest episode of the Say Something Podcast. Say something, say something, say something. This is where we get together, talk about everything, the traffic out here in the world, out here in these streets. In these cool, cool, cool streets. We're coming at you. We are back with a brand new season of the Say Something Podcast. Back from hiatus. Season number five. Season number five. And welcome, welcome to the Truth Session. That's it. And episode 81, if you keep in tabs. 81. Yikes. <laughs> a lot of episodes. Yeah, a lot of content. Make sure that you're keeping up. You can find the Say Something Podcast. It's on uh, iTunes as well as SoundCloud.com. And Say Something, Jermaine Morris, Barry Axios. Jermaine Morris and Barry Axis. Why can't it be Barry Axis and Jermaine Morris? <laughs> I'm just saying, really? like, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, what's good? What's good? Let's let's get it. Let's get it popping. Good. We at, Everything's yeah, good. Yeah, you know, it's we, been a minute. You know what I'm saying? As usual, busy. Uh, you know, got thrift stores opening up. Got another big, big, big announcement coming at the end of the month. My birthday. Gemini season has returned May 29th. <laughs> dun 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 dun. Happy early born day to you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know what I mean? We're going to break it down. Of course, June 9th, David Banner. Dun 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 dun. Godbox. Message to the black community, and it's going to be a message. Make sure that you guys get your tickets on Eventbrite. Message to the black community, as well as pick them up at Hidden Gems, 2245 Florin Road, Suite 12. Or go to blackblueprintswithaz.com, blackblueprintswithaz.com, and get your tickets. This is going to be a phenomenal week, a phenomenal weekend, excuse me. It's going to be the Black uh, Business Sunday. We're going to have vendors. You know, We're going to have entertainment. We're going to have our youth out there. We're going to have a powerful message. You looking forward to this, man? I am. I really am. I'm, it's, it's, I'm, a, uh, I'm a supporter of, of Brother Banner, Brother, Brother Dave Banner. Um Met him a few years back when he was actually here in Sack on some music stuff. All right. Back when he was performing out here. And just the the evolution and growth of him over the years. Uh, real powerful message, and, and it's an opportunity for for us to come together and, and not just necessarily just hear his words, but then the conversations that we have amongst each other and opportunities to network and build with one another. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the weekend. Um, Shouts out to uh, Live With Nature. That's going to be uh, one of the folks that's helping bring aside to blackblueprints.com um you know bringing david banner out shouts out to uh one of our hosts as well as health professions mama um role with earth mama healing of course voice of the youth build black build black uh dropping on some gems and uh making sure things get done and you know shouts out to my business partner passion p miss bailey as i call her and we won the build black or oh, actually we didn't win well, we got third place in the Bill Black uh, business pitch. What's, what's that? $5,000, $10,000, and $15,000, of course, for the first place. We got third place. What's the what's So the... we had to give a business pitch. It's kind of like the Shark Tank. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, um, you know, there's this uh, program called the uh, the Rails, uh, Rails program uh, that Bill Black was awarded to. And uh, with Bill Black basically getting that award, we was able to now, um, you know, pitch our business and 
you got some money to provide into the business. And so it was like, all right, let's do it. So that was a blessing because if folks know what it takes to, to run a business, any little bit of money that we could get to invest capital. in a business, any capital. <laughs> Lady said when she heard that we put our own money in, because that's what we did, put our own money in. Um, she was like blown away and she's like, yo, they deserve something. I'll talk about the controversy on a later date, probably put it in my <laughs> book, but excited. Um, shouts out to all the winners. And, you know, that was a big deal for us. But again, like I said, um, you know, coming on my birthday, May 29th, I'm making another announcement of something else that's going to be big that I'm going to be doing another business venture. It's just like, man, it's, it's time to get black businesses going. Black and business is in full effect, man, right now. There we go. And uh, this actually coincides very well with the uh, the, the highlight of this uh, dedication of this 81st episode. Unapologetic Black Excellence by Jermaine Morris. This goes on to a brother. He, he passed this a little while back. A uh, while back like in? A few years ago. Okay. Uh, he was born in 1938 in Philadelphia. Um, came up a little hard. He didn't actually meet his father until he was 14. So he was kind of trying to figure out life on, on his own. And uh, he had dropped out of school in the uh, 10th grade to join the Air Force. You know, back then, you you, you could do stuff like that. Okay. Uh, by the time he got out, he worked. He had a job. He worked in the post office by day, and he went to the Academy of Dramatic Arts by night. He was an actor. And he, but he studied, like, theater. He had uh, debuted on Broadway in 1971. And as the guy himself, like, he was really kind of withdrawn, really kept to himself. Uh, but when he got on stage, he was just larger than life. He had a huge persona. And that led to a uh, he was seen by a creator shows, uh, Norman Lear, who put everything on TV during the 70s and gave him a, a small role on a, a television show as a neighbor. And he, it was a small bit part that his huge larger than life personality kind of took over and to the point to where this uh, small role as a neighbor turned into his own sitcom based around him. And he was the epitome of boisterous. Said what he wanted. He was his own businessman. That's what's that you can appreciate this brother. Oh man, I love I love hearing his <laughs> his situation already. And though in life he never married and didn't have children, uh, he was uh, married and had a family on this show. And he was really big on the entrepreneur. Made his own way. Uh, had a, had a, a, a had a black wife with him. Black oh, son. Man. Uh, was known to to tell put white folks in their place on the regular. Man, I'm just just I'm inspired already. And the character uh, that he played and he's most noted for was a guy that was the epitome. He 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 was black at all times. Okay. And he stayed black in white spaces. And his biggest uh, criticisms came to white people in their faces. Like this was a dude when you talk about unapologetically black. This man was was all that in, in his persona. Uh, he even had his own style of walk. That if you said the walk by name, you'd know exactly what kind of walk it looked like. I, think I know what you're talking about. Uh, you, you called the the what was something that happened with this character. It was something that was known as the George Jefferson effect, mm. and it allowed it was it was the epitome where a lot of uh, black men had been inspired to be black in white spaces. That that this that he wasn't large in 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 physically he wasn't that big of a man, but he was huge in stature, and, and this character was having. Having uh, black folks almost lose their jobs yeah. after watching the show at night and then going to work the next day, starting to tell their bosses what they really thought of them. Uh, like I said, in life, he was really withdrawn. He was really quiet. He really kept to himself. But when he got on stage, he was huge. And he was a lightning rod for a lot of change that happened socially. 
the character that he played, George Jefferson, married to to Wheezy. They moved on up to the east side. The, the show, The Jeffersons, really showed the story of a man who, who the whole pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. Had his own dry cleaning business, expanded, got that penthouse on the east side. Uh, the only other black person in the entire building was the woman who was married to a white man, and he made it a point to address that every time he saw her. Mm. Uh but what he did as an inspiration, what he did that with that character brought that idea of being unapologetic, Whew. of you can do it yourself, yes. of you can have your own business, yes. as you can be where you want to be and live that you like you want to have if you're willing to work for it. And you can still be you, mm. that you don't have to, to, to sell out to get this, that you can still be you and still be successful. So for that character and the inspiration that he gave. And a momentum that he did build that that inspired so many for that generation. I think more need to be introduced to. Rest in peace and show the love one time to Mr. Sherman Helmsley. Yeah, 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 yeah. That brother, man. George Jefferson was quick to tell call a white person a hunky. I loved it. I mean, I wish we could still use that word right now and it have some kind of meaning, but it doesn't really have any meaning like that yeah. at all. And, and it's kind of whack now. But he would go back and forth with Archie Bunker. He had that, he was the original. But it's racist, racist. Ass. Yeah, and they're look, doing like a reboot of both of those shows. If you ain't gonna do it right, don't do it. Well, and you got to do it with with the with the 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 sting that it had originally. Because yes. Archie Bunker was the throwback white dude who had no problem throwing every racial slur and, and homosexual slur and all that stuff that he thought <laughs> of somebody. Yeah. And his neighbor, George, and that was the crazy thing is that for as much as you know Archie Bunker thought he was this and that, he lived next door to George Jefferson. Mm. And so as much as he thought that folks was better than others, whatever, there was a, a certain degree of respect that was given. Because George didn't back down from him. Yeah. And there's nothing he could tell George because George lived next door. Yeah. If, if, how much better can you be than me and, and we share a yard? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, uh, and then, you know, what they did with that character, that was actually the low end because George then moved to the penthouse on the opposite side of town to have an even better life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, I think that, but seeing that representation every week, of of a black man who who was still able to be black, that there wasn't an issue with code switching. Not when you all. saw George, when they showed those clips of him in his own store, when it showed him at home, and it showed him in in public forums, whatever, he was George Jefferson at all times. Yes, sir. You know, now we're in a, in an era where you got Steve Harvey all on TV talking about you just can't be black. <laughs> <in public."> <laughs> <laughs> You, you just can't be black all out here, you know, yeah. when you're getting messages like that, you know, when you're getting told, you know, be black on your own time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you're told, you know, you, you have that over there at the house, but you need to get with this while you out here. Yeah. Have, having that type of character put in the homes of, 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 of black families every week, I think did, did a lot for us, especially in that era, in that time period. Steve Harvey, what? Got let go of what two of his little white jobs? Everything. I think all Steve Harvey has left is a radio show. He don't. What, they got rid of him on Family Feud. I think everything's done. Uh, what's it? Um, I know Family Feud is still out. Was hanging on with the string. I thought there was another comedian that they were lining up for that. Now why? You can make the argument. I don't know what the actual because uh, it seemed like everything happened after he got his that was his third divorce. Something. I, I, Mind I, you, this was a guy. 
that had every I, I ain't gonna even front I bought the book I saw the straight no twice. chaser Think, um, act like a act like a, uh, a woman think woman. like a man yeah yeah like yeah. that had everybody on I'm talking about talk about a a comic that blew people away and really put somebody on you know what I mean like that was a definite movement for a bit and I mean everybody um not only bought into the book <laughs> watched yeah. the movie I mean he had a part two and I feel like after um, the Kings of Comedy, because the Kings of Comedy kind of prepped them, yeah. it was more of the setup for um, R.I.P. to our brother uh, Bernie. Bernie, and yeah. I will say D.L. D.L. and so, Cedric. Okay, so when Kings of Comedy came out, D.L. already had a show. He was already he was on his list. He, he was already on the D.L. Hughley show, and Steve and Cedric were already on the Steve Harvey show. But what I'm saying, as far as like the lift off, it held Bernie, Bernie the most, the most. But the um, act like a man, think like a lady, whatever. That what, what, am I getting the title right? Uh, th- think uh, think like a lady, act like a think man. like a man is the movie. Okay, but what's what, what is the title the, of the book? The book is as as well. The book was 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 straight no chaser when Rizzy came up. But but I think what you're talking about is act like a lady, think like a man. Yeah, because what, what's the name of the book well. in the movie? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That set him off. Like that really. Uh, catapulted him and then he really started messing and getting that white money yeah Yeah. as as it usually happens negroes will get uh, lifted up by black folk and then all of a sudden shift and get that white money and then when they get that white money get to talking a little bit out of their way and do some coon shit because he also visited trump as well uh, trying to negotiate whatever he was trying to negotiate and then all of a sudden for whatever reason after his third failed marriage now he just I've never really seen that happen before where someone I've seen it happen when someone has been in a scandal right when something happens and it's over yeah yeah but I ain't seen that where it's okay like everybody gets divorced where it just happened in a domino effect like that I'm not sure if his divorce was the catalyst I think more so I'm just saying I just after his divorce I'm just seeing I wouldn't be surprised if his divorce came after he was losing all these jobs I think his wife knew who she married, and so all of a sudden, uh, you know, he's losing all these all these shows uh, to to different up and coming hosts. And but but maybe up and coming hosts. He's some of these white old folks that's trying to host. Well, I'm just saying hosts. I'm not yeah, not, not up and coming talent, but 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 new hosts. Um, well, there's been stories that go back about Steve Harvey for forever, and I've known some comedians who've had run-ins with him over the years, and they've all had particular things to say. There's been a certain degree of consistency about what he's like, Bill Cosby. Um, he was somebody who, the, from the stories that I heard, took issue with uh, putting people over. Now, there's some people who will give you great stories and say that he went out of his way for me and he looked out. And I think that's true. I think if he took a shining to you, mm-hmm. he, he he would do the whole help you out and look out. But if you were against the grain of whatever of the, what he was on, uh, he made it a point. Like, you remember the five heartbeats yeah. where they introduced the, the group out there and it was the guy's cousin was the host. So before he brought the heartbeats out, is these guys think they better than the Temptations and the Four Tops combined. They already got the crowd against them. Yeah. Steve was known for doing some stuff like that about mm-hmm. comics that were coming up. 
So if he didn't like you or didn't get along with you, it, there was these stories about how he was the MC for most functions. Okay. So he used to just more or less kind of just crap on the comedians either on their way in uh-huh. or when they finished, make fun of their jokes or talk about their clothes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most shade thrown was the issue with Bernie before he passed. That's why a lot of people thought it was disingenuous at Bernie's funeral. Him and Bernie wasn't cool. That's yeah. why there was never a Kings of Comedy too. That's what I heard. And the big part of that is because uh, Bernie finally, you know, Bernie was pleading. If you watch that Kings of Comics, just give me a show, give me Food Network, yeah. give me, give me whatever. And he brought got that role in the Oceans movie with George Clooney and, and, out, and yeah. all that. And Steve Harvey called the the people who were in charge of the show and tried to undercut and said that he was better for the role than Bernie. Now, this is supposed to be his dude. They've been really? on the road together for three years. You know, it's filming the Kings of Comics. It's supposed to be his right hand man. His everything. And as soon as Bernie gets the role in this big movie, which everybody knows, if you look at the cast, this is going to do something. Right. Don Cheadle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Without question. Uh, Clooney. Even if it flopped, it Garcia, was you know, Yeah, it, it's and every, it. everybody who was in that movie. And so Steve went behind Bernie and then told the people that he was better for the role than, than Bernie was. And so that type of stuff. That kind of underhanded sort of stuff. There's even reports that even the book, that Bernie, that uh, Steve didn't write the book, that he bought the book, the rights from somebody else who wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, he, he, he probably did that because he don't know about nothing about no marriage. Yeah, so I'm well, saying, so uh, there, there's a whole lot of uh, stories about Steve out there on the shady side of the game. Well, here's the thing. Um, when you talk about Steve Harvey about not putting folks on, it was funny because recently, uh, you know, Dr. Dre was with Snoop in the game. And, of course, we know Nipsey Hussle. Um, passing and um, all the things that have gone on with that, they folks were saying that Nipsey, uh, Dr. Dre was cloud chasing because he had took a picture with um, you know Nipsey Hussle in a you know background uh, picture of Nipsey Hussle, and it was hilarious to me because you know as 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 the Nipsey Hussle phenomenon has continued, right? Yeah. Folks have um, gone to the store. The store unfortunately recently said they're going to close down just for the simple fact that. They've had so many different orders. Um, you know, they really can't keep up with all of the, uh, you know, mass uh, production of what they need. Great problem to have. Uh, I, yeah, for me, I would try to figure it out. But whatever. Yeah. Hopefully, they'll remerge on, uh, on something better or something different. Oh, you know, kind of revamp it. But anyway, what's funny about it? Because I just, I really didn't read too much into it because I've been trying to, like, you know. It, it kind of turned me off when everybody was running with the government conspiracy theories and we're still trying to figure out, well, if it was the government, why Negroes ain't sat there and did anything to the government. But, you know, Negroes, we just like to talk about a bunch of shit and then kind of move on just yeah. to have the conversation and get upset about everything. But when the report came out and then I did some of my research and I looked at some of Nipsey's old stuff, old interviews, I've been a Nipsey Hussle fan. Before the emergence of, you know, his death, I I, 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 I found something that he talked about Dre and um, Dr. Dre and the simple fact that Dr. Dre never really reached out, never really kind of, you know, yeah. this movement that Nipsey Hussle had. Because remember, Nipsey Hussle, before he even came out with the victory lap, he was already running his marathon and was a very, very popular artist. Yeah. You might have not known him nationally. Yeah, yeah. And of course, if you're a rapper's Dre rapper. Dre living in L.A. So, I mean, yeah. It, 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 of course, if you're a rapper's rapper, you know of Nipsey Hussle, yeah. right? I mean, because of the, the, and the fact that he was very talented. But again, Dre lived in L.A. Yeah. And what was funny to me that it seemed like Dre always picked the right artist at the right time. Snoop yeah. Dogg, um, Game. 
Kendrick, yeah, and um, you know, Eminem, Eminem and Fifty Cent, and these guys are outside of L.A. Yeah, but for the fact of L.A. and even going back into the whole N.W.A. hype, yeah. right? You would have thought that he would have saw this movement and would have helped lift and kind of, you know, not if, if you're not going to go ahead and, and give him any money. You know, give him a beat or say, "Hey, let's do this." Yeah. I, I thought it was very ironic that now Dre is almost like a super fan and kind of trying to stay relevant, you know, and taking this picture as if he supported Nipsey Hussle. And we talked yeah. about that whole thing about Steve Harvey. I feel like a lot of older guys, right, for whatever reason, they seem to do this kind of thing. Yeah. They don't help or allow folks that they see a movement, they hear a movement, they know that they're up and coming for whatever reason, whatever odd reason, they don't help put them on. And I think this is like a trend for black males who just don't want to see someone shine or if they don't have some kind of hand in it to make some kind of money or get some kind of credit that they just kind of allow certain talents to just kind of do whatever. It's almost like they ain't never going to make it without me. But when they make it, and now that you have Dre kind of on the outside looking in, kind of looking stupid because he is one of the biggest producers that we have and yeah. the top producer in L.A., not yeah. probably right now, but at, was oh, at one a, time. Yeah, he's well, you know, he, he's Dr. Dre. Dre so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a godfather. Only thing you would think, Jones. Yeah, you would think with how powerful we saw the movement, yeah. Because how Nipsey died, besides the tragedy, the love he got was amazing. It was almost kind of godly in a sense because, yeah, he was popular. Yeah, he was influential. But this really will be a story that will change hip hop just like how Biggie got killed, just like how Tupac got yeah. killed. Though, in my idea... He wasn't as a bigger artist as them, but just a wave of it. So it's almost like he's on the outside, Dr. Dre, looking in to something that he could have had a a, a definitely hand in had he sat there and just did. Because it wasn't like he wasn't around the game. It wasn't like uh, Nipsey wasn't around Kendrick. It wasn't like he didn't hear and see what was going on. It wasn't like Nipsey wasn't around Snoop. So any given Sunday, he could have been in a session and like, hey. I like yeah. this kid. Well, the thing I would say about Dre, and there's a running story. I've never met the man, but I have worked with some people who have worked with him. And then there's all these stories going back to everyone who's worked with him will say the same thing, is that he's a control freak. So you'll, that's why you'll find a lot of the artists who were with him at one point. You take Kendrick. Shit, ain't all, with him. <laughs> with all Kendrick stuff with him in the beginning, and then when Kendrick was full-fledged on his own feet, you don't see much Dre imprint on him. Game, beginning, not much Dre imprint. Snoop, he's in multiple interviews. Snoop's that like, you know, we can't even, the conversation has changed after Snoop established himself. He said, because the way Dre used to talk to him when he was young, Snoop, he couldn't, there's no way Snoop as a man could allow him to be talked to that way now. He said, like, they had to have a re, they had to come back together and have a reestablishment of what their relationship was because the way that Dre was known for uh, making Eve cry and run out the studio when he did her song. Uh, now, granted, it won Eva Grammy. He had Mary J. Blige throwing stuff across the room. Granted, one of her biggest records to d- to date. Uh, like you get to work working with Dre, but you gonna you know you gonna emotionally get this work. And so I don't know what Nipsey's work was like, 
like what he was willing like there might have been a because uh, when you got your hands in that much and that much control because Nipsey was in so many different things. That's a controlling type person. Also, that's somebody who's used to driving and that relationship may not have worked because if, if Nipsey is, is so much of his own man and so much established that then that might not have been a good, you know, working relationship. So I don't know um, why he didn't, why they didn't ever do any work together. But I could tell is informed and as uh, intentional as Nipsey Hussle was, uh, that might have been an issue working with somebody like Dre. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, you're going down the road of folks that, you know, he has worked with and, you know, folks that he's worked with but never came out. Folks, it's just been a whole thing like. He worked with Rakim and you were like, oh, Dre and Rakim and nothing ever happened. You're like, they got that one song out. Come on. Like I said, yes, like I said, he worked with Rakim and nothing happened. OK, I mean, when Dre and Rakim hooked up, we thought we was going to get the most phenomenal song or album in, in, in the history of albums. He worked with the firm. I mean, he barely had his hand in it. There's just a lot of weird things. And then the simple fact that we're still talking about the detox. He at one particular time. His roster was, and these guys were all prime. You had Lloyd Banks, 50 Cents, Eminem, The Game, Snoop Dogg, right? Yeah. And this is an exhibit. Yeah. You know, this is a starting rotation. So you are corrupt. When corrupt was still the MC that corrupt was. You are thinking in your mind, excuse me, Buster Rhymes and Eve, you're thinking in your mind, whatever detox album he's about to come with, this is going to be the most phenomenal album. There's about 200 songs for detox already. There's going to be, it's going to be the most phenomenal <laughs> album of all time because then you get the folks like uh, Jay Z that was always was in a major collaboration with um, uh, Dr. Dre in that time. Yeah. You know, you 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 have other folks. Uh, DJ Quick that was in collaboration with Dr. Dre that time. Everybody you name right now has a song on Detox. Listen, Lil Kim's got a song. I'm on sure. Detox. I'm sure. I'm, I know. Eminem, Fifty, all them. Yeah. But he's such a perfectionist, and whatever happens in business happens. Rakim, even at that particular time when Detox was kind of uh, talked about, that would have been one of the greatest hip hop. I'm into hip hop moments. Like I'm into the moment of hopefully. Um, Drake and Meek Mill doesn't do an album together. I'm in a moment of hopefully uh, Rock Rocco uh, uh, fella can just do one more um, album with Freeway. And since Cameron and Jay Z have now kind of settled their differences, yeah. I, I, I'm that guy. You know what I mean? Because okay. I, I I'm living I in that it. edge, right? But because I understand what Nipsey was saying, I hear what you're saying about Steve Harvey, and I am that guy that haven't had my elder statements or folks that are in the game when I came into the game of the nonprofit to try to figure out what it was. I didn't get any help. I had to kind of make it my own way uh, and create my own movement. I understand it and I see that because it happens so often in, um, you know, black business, right? Whether yep. you want to sit there and say that folks were like, well, you got to go the route that I went. No one gave me anything. It shouldn't be like that. I'm always about putting people on. I'm always about giving people game. I'm always about giving people proper lessons, giving my experiences and helping out wherever I can help out, whether it's me making a phone call, whether it's me giving a direction, whether it's me lending out some money. I'm always trying to push it forward because I understand that I am not going to be here forever. The motive of 
what we do is always have to push it forward. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that you'll find there are all the guys that, that do not help put people over. When there's always be stories of people who are like, I got mine, you get yours, or I'll show you, but you got to come kiss the ring first. Like Man. we, we, we they're, 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 sit over here for two, three years and shut your mouth and watch. Yeah, uh, some folks out there who who are just who, who are just Brett Favre in it. They, I ain't here to tutor Aaron Rodgers. Like, you just need to just go ahead and just wait till you get your spot. But then we do have the people out there uh, like yourself and, and the ones who have made a, 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 a consorted and conscious effort to be out there and to be a conduit to bringing people up and to helping to bring next man up and to to helping to uh, and woman and woman and and helping that bring that next generation along because there are those people who recognize the value in the next generation. Shots out to Robert Smith, the billionaire. He paid out out all of those folks. College did at Morehouse. Work, uh, what was Brother. It, $40 million? I don't like know that. what he four, did, but like, that billionaire, black billionaire, one out of ten, paved the way. Yeah, I think it said somewhere around like $40, $50 million listen, of his own money, straight listen, out of his own pocket. That put people on red alert. Folks was upset that Oprah didn't do the same thing afterwards. Yeah, because now that that that's the that's the benchmark. It's one thing that if you got if you're worth nine figures and you spent five million of your own money to open up a school somewhere, and and, and that's great. And I don't take anything away from the LeBron James, the Jalen Roses, the the guys out there who are uh, you know starting up academies and schools. More props. We need. It's not either or. We need, <laughs> we need all of that. We so, need it all. <laughs> we need all that. So it's, it's not an either or issue. But that does shine a light on 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 the Beyonces and hoes. Well, you know the thing about it. No, but finish, finish your thought. You know, that thought. does shine a light on on on, on the family of the Bob Johnson. Man, the, on, on on Oprah, on yeah. Tyler Perry, on you know it, it does on all of them. You know, you can't sit there and say that you puffy and that you proud that you, you know, back to back to back years of the of the the highest grossing man in hip hop because you worth eight hundred million dollars that you Dre worth eight hundred million dollars and, and you give your money to USC. Yeah, you gave, you know, your money to, to, to USC and yours isn't even the first name on the building. Nah, you know, that it's the Jimmy Iovine hey. and Andre Young nah. building, you know, um. Nah, man, you can't. You can't. I just. I or just... also, if you want to give sixty, seventy million dollars of your money, because I'm sure there was somewhere there was some deals made for you to get that two billion dollar deal through Apple. I'm sure there was some kickback that was going somewhere. Yeah. Uh, you can also give. That was a power <laughs> to, move to 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 a, to a HBCU. That was a power move in such a way that this billionaire knows I'm going to get more money. I'm going to get that forty whatever million back. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um. And in a way that it always speaks volumes. Yeah, interest alone on five billion is making forty. Million. Yeah, well, shit, right? <laughs> and it speaks volumes, right? Speaks volumes to um, a lot of the things that we've shared on this show that we've talked about when we're talking about pushing black forward, building yeah. black. We're talking about all these um, different ways that black people should support each other. Yeah. Commonly, we try to make the smallest thing bigger than it is. And try to strategize in the simple things and make them more difficult than it necessarily has to be. And I say that by saying, how easy was it for him to say, yo, check this out. I'm paying for your school loans. Okay. It wasn't like, okay, um, if I do this, y'all got to do 
A, B, C, and I really can't pay all y'all. I can pay half. It was like, I'm doing this, and what I'm asking y'all to do is pay it forward. Yeah. So my thing is, why isn't it that simple for a group of these so-called millionaires and a few billionaires to go around these Americas to every neighborhood that we consider or claim that is ours and gentrify it the way we need to gentrify it to where it's not pushing out all the black black families that ain't going to be able to live anywhere else. And if they do live anywhere, it's going to be total poverty because they're damn near living in poverty in the places that are gentrifying. Yeah. Why isn't it that there's a more of, 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 of these black millionaires from sports to entertainment to, to uh, just regular uh, uh, businesses have made well? That connect with each other, like my brother Robert Smith, who I give total kudos to. Don't see nothing wrong with it. Can't sit there and argue about it. It was the right thing to do in that moment. It was a power move. Why haven't they gone and created that kind of platform so we can be starting to take back power by creating infrastructure that's sustainable in these communities that need it, making more... Um, tech savvy, uh, you know, art museums, uh, community centers that are dedicated to us, controlled by us, not controlled by city entities, uh, taking over strip malls. We know that these are black owned strip malls, right? And you can feel it. I don't, I'm not saying that you don't have to have a, a Chipotle's, an Asian restaurant here and there, but you know, this is a black owned facility. This is black function. That functionality was, Really, some black excellence I ain't seen in a long particular time, and the 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 way he flipped it, I feel other folks need to get on top of that. Yeah, and if you're not quite getting the gravity of what that means, so basically, when people graduate from a university like that, they're carrying around six figures worth of debt. So even though you've now graduated with a degree in something that can make you, you know, maybe forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars in the in the first five years if you get out there into the world, um, that overhanging six figures of debt you have overhanging fruit man. keeps you out of position for home ownership, keeps you out of position for, for investments, because as soon as you start to make more money, they then, it, like child support, they just start taxing more from you. You become required to pay more. And so with six figures worth of debt, they are they are very on the ball. They're very aggressive. If you get married and then your your income goes up because you're now joint, they come taking more money from you for your student loans. Like these are people who are who are waiting for their paper. And so by giving a, a pass, more or less, to all of these people of, with advanced degrees and, and moving into specified fields and working on careers, they're going to go out into the world and start at zero. Mm. And it is a huge it's amazing if you can start in the plus that if your family had life insurance or business or properties or some capital to give you to go out into the world. That's amazing. If you can start plus, it is still wonderful to start at zero, man, that you can go out here debt free with with a solid intact credit score solid and go out there and attack with just with the wind at your back, with no anchors, no strings tied to you, no financial burdens to go after whatever your career is. You're your not strapped. Is. So now, home ownership 10 years sooner. Mm. Business starting 10 years sooner. sooner. 
you know, being in a position to get now, you may be able to get a business loan to establish something 10 years years sooner. sooner. Like, so when you start talking about the ability to create an infrastructure and to rebuild a community, you've now got these few hundred people in specified fields with advanced degrees who are ready to go straight to work and not stress off a debt. No. By Sally May. And they are in position <laughs> to do things. Because in now position they, to win. Yeah. So now when they're making money, they can spend it in the community they're in. It's not yeah. being just garnished out of their check. No. They can they can do things that they can take a job that makes a little bit less for the long term because they're not carrying two hundred thousand dollars worth of debt in student loans. I don't think folks really understand how astronomical this event is. It's huge. It's, That's what I'm saying. If I you mean, don't get the gravity of what that I don't, is, I don't think I, I, we don't. We don't because we don't. We don't really concern. I, we don't. We don't. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm being, being honest, man. I, you know, just you know, you know. Shouts out to my queen, Mama Ro. Just being honest. I mean, gotta say that because I don't believe and don't feel confident enough to know my black people really, really understand what a power move this is. Right? I think that we haven't celebrated it enough because here's this guy that I had no idea who he was. Oh, I know he was a black billionaire. Yeah. Don't know how he got his billions, but I just know he's a black billionaire. Did a speech and true to his word, as I hope his word is born, he says, y'all, I'm, I got y'all and I'm going to move it. I just want y'all to pay it forward. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't a scam. It wasn't I need you to do A, B, and C. It was like this is what I got. Here's your here's here's your gift from me to you. And if we had more folks doing that, yeah. instead of criticizing, slandering, disrespecting, or just not being a part of the build, this is building. Uh, this is like that executive uh, class of building for black community. Yeah. This is like I don't listen. This money ain't gonna go with for me with me. Yeah. And I made enough to all my generations are going to be okay. Yeah. But I want to make sure your generation can start okay. That's like a get out of jail card, dog. Like free yeah, get and, out of jail card. And if you don't – like so take the financial ramifications away. You've got a few hundred – I don't know how many was in the, the, the total graduating class. But you've got a few hundred uh, people moving forward who this is the imprint they have of, of a, a billionaire black man. So when they think about it, as they move forward, it wasn't an old white man that saved them. Ooh. It wasn't the system that saved them. It was somebody who looks like them who came in and, and blessed them in a position to move forward and do better. Yeah. And, 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 his, and his only request was look out for somebody else. Man. So as they move forward, that's the imprint. So when the opportunity presents itself to help somebody, mm-hmm. they're a little more likely to. And they're in a position to do so. And they should. You know what I mean? So the, it, it, it is huge symbolic and it, it sets a precedence because, like I said, it does send heat over to, to, to the other billionaires and the other people boasting on how much they make and making the Forbes list and, and all or that. Or how much they allegedly do. Yeah. So and, and what are you going to do with it? So what does this look like in real life in, in, in the community? Well, when you've got people who are now. Uh, in positions to do better and they can spend more money in the community this is where you start to raise up the infrastructure of where you live this is where you're in a position to own the home that you live in 
And, and home ownership is huge because that was directly affects the tax dollars, the property tax dollars that go into the schools in your community. And it also directly affects the civil services, a.k.a. your fire department and your police department. Yes, sir. Like there's a thing we like to do when it comes to dealing with law enforcement. We like to say that, oh, man, I pay your salary. So you supposed to treat me a specific way. No, you don't. If you're a renter. Mm. So a lot of that money that's taken out that goes into those departments comes out of out of property tax for that particular area. Yeah. So if you're a renter, whoever owns your property is the one that 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 is paying the salaries of the civil servants that live around you. Yeah. So they're treating you accordingly. When, but when you own the buildings there and you own the homes and you own the neighborhood, then the relationship when it comes to dealing with the, these entities changes. The, the, the relationship dealing with the school districts, dealing with law enforcement changes because we find ourselves in detriment dealing with these systems because they don't treat us like we own the community. They treat us like we're squatters. Yeah. And so they'll treat our kids any old kind of way. They'll close schools at a whim and they start with ours. When they got to go across the district and decide which three schools need to be cut, they start with ours in our schools. They start in our elementary schools and they'll, well, they'll bus our kids to wherever they need to be. When it comes to policing in our neighborhoods, how we're addressed, how we're, quote unquote, dealt with and approached. We'll see all kind of in different communities where uh, people are on the run for shooting at police officers who were safely detained and, and, and taken into custody without an issue. Meanwhile, our children for being for, quote unquote, looking suspicious end up handcuffed, slammed on the ground with bags put over their faces. Yeah, let's not even talk about that one right there. Well, I think we should. <laughs> Let's not because ooh, we, we, I mean this is this is our hometown. <sighs> Sacramento, Sacramento, Sacramento. The, the, the report out of the nine one six. Wait, 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 hold on a second. Let me correct you. It wasn't a bag. It was a mesh um what was it spit repulsion apparatus? My thing is this <laughs> before you get okay. to break the details. Um I know somebody put the kind of thing it was, right? Yeah. But what do you call a basketball? A ball. Okay. What do you call a baseball? A ball. We could call the basketball the Zanazuda, right? Yeah. But we're going to still call it a what? Ball. We could call the baseball the Kanakuruta, but we're still going to call it what? Still gonna call the ball. Now we take away the adjective of what it is, right? Yeah. But it's still considered a what? A ball. So I don't know what kind of <laughs> latex-free shit that these folks is trying to tell us that this wasn't a what? A bag. Did it look like a bag to you? Yes, because I know what a bag is. That's a bag. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, like people, this misconception that a paper bag. A plastic bag. It's a bag. A mesh bag. It's a bag. A Ziploc bag. A Ziploc bag. A Louis Vuitton bag. bag. A Gucci it, 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 bag. It's all still These a bag. These motherfuckers is bags. It's still a bag. So, <laughs> like, like, I'm, you know, bro, let me tell you something, man. I, I, I put two things up. And one of the things I put up on my Facebook, right, Besides the numerous things I usually say to piss people off or engage with my folks that's that's following my page and shouts out to everybody that continues to follow and shouts out to everybody that continues to, you know, listen and 
and, and, and you know, support every avenue, um, every uh, system, whether it's the voice of the youth, whether it's the, you know, the businesses, whether it's the speaking engagements, whatever. Barry Axel do. Shouts out. I salute y'all. Haters, keep giving the hate. I get excited about it. It makes me it makes me horny at night. I said to my black folk, and, and, I, and I think folks didn't really understand it. And we're going to go back to the whole 12-year-old thing because okay. I want to get into it. But I said to my black folks, do most black people want to be white? Okay. What's your answer to that? What's your answer to that? And then what do you think that I mean when I'm asking that question? Because folks just look at that question like, fuck out of here. Of course I don't want him to be white. I think probably most black people would like to be treated how white people are treated. So in that respect, yes. Okay. That would be, uh, I would say, most of them, if they, uh, do I want to be white per se by culture? Not so much. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have the affinity for mayonnaise and, and, and things like that, like yeah. that. I don't, think we're trying, I don't think we're trying to, you know, putting raisins and stuff, you know, whatever. We, I don't think we're trying to switch but over raisins, completely. Raisins, don't taste bad. Yeah, I don't think we're trying to switch over, like, completely culturally, but yeah. I think that you find most black people say they want, they would love to be treated yeah. like how white people are treated right. in America. But you understand why I asked that question, right? Do you think... I don't know what the context what was uh, leading up man, to it, but... The content leading up to it is just a majority of us, I believe, really want... And when... And it's the... Not even it's not the culture because we know that's whack, but we function in whiteness on an everyday basis. Yes, we will take heed to a white boss before we take heed to a black boss. Yes, we will support a non-black business before we support a black business. Yep. We will argue to wit's end with a black person over the sky is blue before we would argue with our counterparts the same exact way. We have more hatred and more dislikes to people that look like us when it comes from colorism, when it comes from classism, when it comes to sexism. We have more of a dysfunction with ourselves. Now, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to interrupt you. Go ahead. It's just it's a point. Okay, okay, okay. And at the same particular time, black people are telling me that they love to be black. But they love to be black, but they don't support. They don't show how they love to be black in any kind of functionality. You move out of your neighborhood from the blacks to go live with some white folks. You know what I mean? So in everything, I think a lot of black people do as much as they say, I love being black. They don't really love it in the action. That's my thing. And when folks was when I was when I said the question, of course, folks was like, and I love the dialogue because I was like, ah, nah, there's no way I hear that. You're, you're, you're right. But I wish that there's no way I love my skin. This is that. I wish that was used on everyday life because it's not. Yeah. And when I when I put that post up, I, I was kind of. I was kind of distraught from the rhetoric and from the feedback I was getting from this bag over this black kid's head. Where black folks were really coming out supporting the police officers and the security guard talking about how disrespectful this black kid was. And I was like, what the hell are y'all talking about? These police officers, these slave catchers have been disrespecting black people since they was uh, in existence. So how can we now all of a sudden, though we may not like the delivery of whatever message this young kid who was in this this moment. This traumatic moment when he's not only had a uh, 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 pretendo police 
engage with him, but the real police that he's seen kill other black boys yeah. just like him yeah. are coming and violating him, putting handcuffs on him for nothing. He didn't violate any real criminal law. They said he was trespassing. Well, what the fuck is that? A goddamn, uh, let me call your parents, come pick you up. He did nothing. So the kid to me went out like a soldier. If I'm going to get it, I'm going to go out spitting and disrespecting y'all because you've already disrespected me. At the end of the day, we as black people find too much will to be respectful to those that don't respect us, yeah. to be respectful for those who don't respect our lives. And to me, it was I was mind blown at some of the coolest behavior that folks was kind of conducting on my page by literally trying to give a pass and say, ah, you know, Barry, I, I, I support, I support you, uh, uh, and I don't give a fuck about the police, but that little bastard was, excuse me. So how do you sit there and say you love and you 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 like to be black okay. and, and instead of you saying in reality you really want that white side of things? Okay, so there's a few things in there that that I got. So to your question, I think I have a better understanding of your question. Do do black people want to be white? No, but black people don't want to be black. So I, I think that the, the difference is, is that it's not necessarily I want to be this. I don't like what black people are in this space, <laughs> in this system. I'm serious. Like if, if you sat there and said for the same reason why if you asked a, a white person, would you trade places with, with, with your black neighbor? To, or would you prefer to, what was it, uh, the woman who did the study some years back, she said, what white person in this room would trade places or would like to be treated the way black people are treated in America? And none of them said yes. None of them raised their hands. If you ask most black people, do you like to be treated as black people are in the system? Do you want to be black in the system? Most will say no. And so I think that that whole, the same vitriol and fervor, that same anger and resentment, that same oppressive behavior that gets put on black people gets exhibited by black people. Mm. And so you'll find that when the narrative goes in, you know, oh, that kid must have did something. Oh, he must have been disrespectful. She must have mouthed off. He must not have complied. He must have resisted. They must. It starts going into those those narratives because the, the system is already saying we're criminal. The mm -hmm. system is already saying we're flawed human beings. That's why as soon as you get some money, you know, white flight applies to black people. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Like this, that same mentality of as soon as you get a little paper, get away from black people. You can't go. You can't. You can't put your money with black people. You can't trust black people. You can't. If you're going to hire somebody, you know, you can't hire a black person. White accountant, white lawyer. All these negative things that get said about us, then start getting said about us by us. So I think that there's a lot of black people in America who they they don't necessarily want to be white. They just don't like black people either. Mm. And, and so as in, in leading it to with that, the, the child, and let's put that where that is, a 12 year old child, uh, we, you know, we love to sit there and say that, you know, white dude can be 24 and he's still a kid yeah. with his whole life ahead of him. Meanwhile, we try 13 year old black kids as adults. You know what I mean? This, this is a 12 year old child who all reports so far was told to go put something back in the car. And the security guard said he looked suspicious. <laughs> Like that was the jump off. Like he was told he was given direct order to go put something back in the car. He goes to put something in the car and is coming back. And the way he was walking back, he looked sketchy. 
and, and that was apparently the jump off to to however that ended. And he's twelve, and so he responds like a twelve year old would. Yeah. Disrespectfully, angrily, especially we've got thirty five year old that if you just hemmed him up for doing absolutely nothing wrong, he's gonna curse you out, call you everything, you and your mama everything but a child of God, and you might get swung on. Yeah, no doubt. As a 35-year-old grown man or woman. Yeah. So let alone an emotional, irrational, in the midst of trauma, 12-year-old child. Yeah. We're expecting all of this resolve, we expected, composure. We, exactly. We're expecting this 12-year-old child to be a teenager. We expect this 12-year-old child to be a understanding a grown adult. grown man. What's 12? Sixth grade? Come on, dog. Like, I mean, Really? We expected a he's sixth, supposed to know better. We're supposed to say this sixth. Let's just be generous and call it seventh grader. Listen, man. He's <laughs> supposed to, to carry himself like Morgan Freeman in, in, the, in the midst of the situation. And Where you just call getting, collected rational situation. What is about six police officers? For, and, and this is. And, and, and I, security and guards? I, I say this too, because every time I see these stories, it's like, we should have just. You should have went along with it. You should have just did something. Did just, what? Well, I'm saying. It, no, I'm just saying. That's what I'm saying. Though. You're supposed to just you're supposed to stay completely calm, completely resolved, completely reserved. Yes, sir. No, sir. And what's whatever, that gonna get what, you? This is this is what you're told you're supposed to do. <laughs> All this. Come on, dog. When you've done nothing wrong, done nothing wrong, so man. Because you look suspicious. You're dog. minding your business, walking around, and somebody tells you, "Hey, come here." For what? For what? I said so. Who the hell are you? Exactly. Now all of a sudden you've resisted. Now you didn't comply. And then Sit you call down. a bunch of freaking other people because you couldn't handle the situation. So the situation gets elevated. And we got to remember, dear black people that want to sit there and pretend that every single child that you have is the perfect child. Yeah. You have to remember this 12-year-old kid is seeing all the trauma we see. Yeah. If not more, is seeing all of the the death that we see it, yep. he ain't numb, or he's, he's not very well aware how this is gonna go. He's not blind to it. Yeah, it's being shown whether it's on social media or regular media and talked about all the time. There has never ever been a great relationship with police officers and the black community ever. Let me be very clear on again. There's never been a relationship, a good relationship, or any relationship except a relationship with murder, mayhem, madness, corruption, and destitute, and all type of other shit. So for you to think that a child sees a police officer, whether you're in any city, that he's automatically supposed to know his rights, be respectful, when the child gets arrested, handcuffed, for whatever reason, because he's not following your directions, where he's probably maybe not even following the directions of the teacher, the teacher can't handcuff them. The whole thing was blown out of proportion. I don't know if the the child was spinning or not. I don't know. That's what people said he was. Yeah, and, and the fact is, and something to always remember, too. So if, if the premise that you're working under is, is that you're supposed to respect authority, that you're supposed to comply, that you're supposed to follow orders and be respectful, all of that is under the premise that what you're being stopped for is on the up and up. So if you're in the middle of doing something illegal and you're pressed by the police, that you're supposed to mind your P's and Q's. If you're doing something wrong, 
and you get addressed by the person whose job it is to stop you from doing something wrong, that's one thing. But if the premise is flawed in the sense of you're being treated like a criminal when you've done nothing wrong, but yet you're supposed to be the one that remains cool, calm and collected, that's a problem. And the way that its system works here is that all it takes is for the security guard to be trying to detain you. When the other security guard slash or law enforcement or whomever shows up, they don't ask for the back by police officers who don't even know why they're there. And all they know is that one person is trying to bring somebody to the ground. Their only mission is to bring you to the ground. So if you've got two, three, four people tugging on you, pulling on you, jumping on you, you've still done nothing wrong. No one has an answer for you. They're just working you over till they can get you into a position of submission. What type of traumatic imprint do you think that leaves on a human being Mm. that I wasn't in the middle of committing a crime? I wasn't doing anything wrong. Somebody mistook me for someone else. Mm. Somebody mistook my behavior for something else. And I start getting screamed at, (laughs) yelled at, disrespected, then tackled and abused Mm. at 12 years old. And that's what I think folks are missing. If it was me as a father putting whatever kind of bag, whatever kind of thing you want to say. CPS. Dog. CPS. Oh, child abuse. CPS. I'm done. Please tell me what 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 family court system, what 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 <laughs> social worker that you can go over semantics of what the bag was made Doesn't of. Doesn't matter. That's going to justify in their mind. Then I put a bag okay. over my child. Yeah. It he, doesn't he matter. What is it? So I took the mesh bag. <laughs> That, that I was using. No, no. That you we, took the mesh. It's not a bag. Yeah, so I took the I took the mesh thing that we used to carry uh, the balls in when we go in PE, and I just put it over his head so he couldn't so he couldn't oh, spit on me. So, dog. And they're they, they, they gonna look at you. So what did you put over? I took this mesh thing that we used to keep carry stuff in. It's mesh. It's see through. You can breathe through it. And I put it over his head. So you put a bag over your son's head. No, 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 that, that sounds ridiculous. CPS has to be at your house. It sounds stupid. Because <laughs> it is. My children would be taken away. Taken My away. child would be taken away. <laughs> yeah. I would be ridiculed and be called the villain. I, you got I, parenting I, classes. They put you in anger management. For, I probably for, wouldn't be able to work with children again. Oh no. <laughs> but yet and still, but yet and still, yeah. we're giving out these police officers a pass. And these are the reasons why I ask black people. Do you not? Do you really want to be black? Do I, I think black people want to be white because this kind of idea that we have this certain kind of privilege, especially when it comes to law enforcement, or we're supposed to do certain things the the right way when it comes to law enforcement, is a false. It's not a reality. It's not real. That the, the simple fact that we would argue the fact that this kid, this twelve year old kid, did. Anything so wrong to where he had to be handcuffed and put a bag over his head, Negroes, bag over his head. And that wouldn't be called child abuse if we as parents, we as parents can barely yell at our children, let alone 
touch our children, that this would be nothing more than abuse. And we're giving passes to police and we're talking about the disrespect of the youngster. But we're not looking at currently here in Sacramento. Stefan Clark has been dead for two years. We know the officers aren't going to get charged, but we don't know where the fuck the officers are at. We don't know if the officers are still working for SAC PD. We don't know where the officers are at. I know one thing. The officers ain't got fired. I haven't heard that announcement. Yeah. So there's somewhere. You're just going to get pulled over one day and you're going to see a badge name that looks familiar. So when have police ever respected black people's authority to say, I don't want to be searched? Black people's authority to sit there and say, leave me alone, officer. I'm walking home. Black people's authority to say, I'm not on probation. I'm not on parole. I don't have any weapons. I'm not a gangster. And be able to walk gingerly without being brutalized, harassed, racially profiled. It's just, it's, I get so tired, though. I love my people. I get so tired of going back and forth with the simple antics of what we try to assume has to be good reason that they do what they do. Black people have been killed for having a cell phone, having a toy gun, for selling cigarettes, for selling CDs, for going for their license, from running out of a car. <laughs> I or mean, you name it. the law and doing exactly what you were told by the police for, officer. For being at the mall at the wrong place at the wrong time, getting shot in the back for being at home and sitting and watching TV and getting shot and killed in the door. So you can't tell me about respect and you can't tell me that there's a protocol that we have to do in order for us to be safe in order for us to live. There's none. If they want it, what would the story would be? If that 12 year old got assassinated and executed with the bag that day, would we even talking about the bag? If if he ultimately got shot, then it would have been it would have went back to the very first encounter where he didn't do what he was told. Because I, I think that this is this is the piece that that most of us seem to miss that this idea that everything is fair across the board is not true. And so the way that. The rules of engagement, the raids of, of the, the gauge being compliant, the, the way that resisting works, the way of following protocol. There there are rules for us and there's rules for everybody else that if you're black in America, it is your job to make everybody else feel OK, safe and all right to operate and be in your presence. It doesn't matter if they're 20 years on the job. It doesn't matter if they're militarily trained. It doesn't matter if it's a corporate America. Your job is to walk around and make sure everybody else is okay. Because the second somebody else feels uncomfortable because of your presence, anything that happens after that point is your fault. That's the way this system works with us. So this idea of how come you didn't just do what he was told? And then you go to online and you see 50 different counts where every other group of people is flipping cops off, telling them to go to hell and telling them to kiss their ass. That's them. Mm. You know, how come this kid didn't just do that? Because I remember being as a kid they, and, and being told uh, the rules are different for you. Mm-hmm. You know, Don't let your little white friends get you in trouble. Because when, when, when the police come or when the stuff happens, they're going to separate them and they're going to get you. Right. Facts. And I think that a lot of us in this I don't see color era. <laughs> okay. In this 
post-racist America that people believe. This kumbaya, we are all treated the same under the sun, uh, are failing to realize that the game has not changed. And it hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> and for some people, they don't like to accept that because they think that that thinking is what halts growth and progression. Not at all. That we can't move forward if we're holding on to them old ways. Well, here's the way. The old ways are still holding on to us. And as long as that's the case, you can be upset over the way that the game is played. Uh... Or you can recognize the rules of what it is. Like, I mean, just for real. Like, I, I, every time I see these videos of a woman screaming, I'm pregnant, then being executed in the middle of the street. Even, even yeah. if she was not pregnant, she I, still I, said she was pregnant. Yeah. It doesn't just, matter. That's just you know what I'm saying? That's just the reference. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying. Even if, and we were all outraged about that, yeah. right? Yeah. But then turn around when I outraged about the 12-year-old because he was disrespectful. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, when you see cases of... Uh, Something that starts as simple as you, you did you failure to signal can lead to somebody being dead. Yeah. When you see some and everything turns back into she should have complied. Why didn't you just show his ID? Only guilty people don't talk it, and all this other nonsense that you gonna have if you black you gonna have to learn to accept being black. Yeah. Like it is in and work from there. Yeah. Because if we sit there and say, I accept the fact that I'm black and then work from that space and realize that nobody is flying in with a cape <laughs> to save our communities. Ain't nobody going to be our Superman. There's no sleigh that's going to park on the roof uh, uh, and, and, and come in and magically clean up the family. And white Jesus ain't going to save you. The boulder's not going to be removed and, and somebody looking like Paul Gasol is not going to walk out and all of a sudden magically clean up and, and fix your credit and, and buy back the block for you. No, 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 no. Recognizing that being black is a beautiful thing and it is a responsibility. It is a responsibility. And that if we can own and accept the responsibility, there's greatness in it. There's beauty in it. There's pride in it. But there's some bullshit that come with it. I'm black and I'm strong. I'm black and I'm strong. I'm black and strong. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. It just, it's hard sometimes, dog. It's just really hard. It just really... It it every time I think that we going forward, man, we take a few steps back and just watching a twelve year old, um, you know, going through what he's going through, and a majority of our people aren't just outraged by the whole thing, the excessive force, um, the fact that the twelve year old had that many officers around him and didn't call community leadership or call other folks, call the parents, do do whatever they needed to do before it got that bad and before people recorded and nonchalantly not give a shit that people are recording it because police don't, don't give a shit. And, and the simple fact that a lot of these uh excuse me, so called leaders that are, are and not, not the leadership that I I mean, not the leadership that were on ground zero are trying to create this community healing perspective with, with police officers, excuse me. And um, I ain't heard not one of them make a comment about this. It's like, y'all, if this is supposed to be the rebuilding community stage, yeah. this, uh, you don't hear nothing. You just kind of hear it just, you know, whispers in the darkness. And we're not going to get saved no. by continuing to believe that some folks that have been doing things 
before they were born that have been inducted in a system that has been designed to keep us oppressed yeah. are going to change for a matter of fact that they feel they're obligated to change. They're not. Nope. So until we wake up and realize and smell the coffee and go about doing the things that we need to do for ourselves and protect our children and women at all costs, because that could have ended up ugly. And for those who are swearing up and down that this kid was disrespectful, like, see, this is the thing about black people. Even if there's something done wrong, black people always want to point it out. But when white folk do something wrong, you know how many times I heard a white person say about Stephon Clark? He should have he should have followed directions. I'm like, did he even have an opportunity to follow direction? I have never heard one officer sit there and say, well, that was probably excessive force being used. Not one officer. Everybody stays on code. (laughs) Majority of white folks stay on code, whether they're right or they're wrong. Stay on code. That's why we still have Mr. 45, the pussy grabber, still the president. With that, with the code thing, I've talked to law enforcement officers off the record. Who don't agree with the way that it went down, but but, but they stay on code. And, but exactly, when it comes to if you ask and them don't, publicly, I don't give a shit <laughs> about what you say offline. Yeah, I care about what you say online. Yeah, they 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 are all about. But what you do code. is you uh, fall behind a blue flag. Yeah, because you want to go ahead and be anti Black Lives. So again. Black lives don't matter to police officers, and I don't even think sometimes black lives matter for black people. And I'm not talking about the community violence. I'm just talking about in general. I think black people, we have been uh, uh, convinced that the white way of doing things is the right way of doing things. And, you know, going into it, I know we're going into overtime. I just want to just just tap in a little bit because I think it's very, very important on what's happening in Alabama. Alabama with the whole um, abortion laws that they are going to jail any doctors that, uh, 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 you know, cre- do this, uh, the procedure for 90 some plus years. Some crazy, ridiculous situation. Yeah, the heartbeat bill. Yeah, the heartbeat bill. I mean, they listen, listen, listen. White males know what's up. White people have their own kind of genocide without police killing them and without them killing themselves. They're not making enough babies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're not reproducing in the capacity. And uh, too many of these babies is coming up uh, mixed with Mexican, Asian, and black, and all type of other shit. This is all about their race building. Trust and believe if it's too many more black babies being pumped out, there'll be some changes. But don't think well, this is to protect women. This is to protect uh, fucking a, 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 a nation so of let's, white people. Let's, if, if, if you're on your X-Files, that there's a reason why, there's a belief system of why they removed the, the caveat to incest and rape. Because if it gets to fourth and long, um, you they might have to keep it in-house to keep the numbers up. Yes, sir. And so if it's, if it's your niece, if it's your sister, if it's your second Man. cousin, if it's whatever... Uh, to keep them numbers up, they already did the report where last year it was the first time where the uh, the birth rate to mortality rate for for white people they finally got behind the eight ball. What they've been <laughs> screaming about for the last two hundred years is that it was the first time that they were no longer procreating at a rate that met with the way with the rate in which they died, meaning that th- th- it, it's 
it's game set. It's game time right now. <laughs> game seven, huh? <laughs> so now <laughs> this whole idea of, you know, because we got to remember that black and brown is the global majority. Yeah. There's more people of color than there are uh, Caucasian. Yes. But in the United States, that's not the case. And I so know. the thing that they've been shouting for, for 200 years, what they've been worrying about this becoming or returning to being a, a brown nation is uh coming to fruition. It's yes, why there was the massive movement of immigration to remove black and brown people from from Haiti, from Mexico, from El Salvador, on, give from, them some education. From, from all this sort of stuff. And at the same time where they said that immigration was a huge concern and the biggest threat to the United States, we brought in 30,000 Eastern European and Serbian refugees Yikes. as well as no implications of any issue when it pertains to immigration when it comes from the north. Yikes. We've got Canadians who are staying here past their, their visa when we make no issue with that whatsoever um the biggest group of people uh the immigration issue are not people swimming through the ocean or digging tunnels into the country the biggest number of illegal immigrants in this country are expired visas yikes that's the number people who came and did the proper paperwork and just outlasted their visa like their visa was for six years they were supposed to re-up they didn't do it because they got a job or they found somebody or they got a life and they didn't want to run the risk of asking if they could stay to possibly hearing no. Yeah. So if you just think about that, and then we'll, we, we, you know, if you got here and you could be here for six years, because mm-hmm. you're going to work, you're going to go to school, whatever. Well, after year two, you met the woman of your dreams. Yeah. And now you all in love, and you were living together, and you had a baby, and you starting a family. Now you get a letter saying that your visa expires in six months. <laughs> Are you going to go ask if you can stay? Mm. Because if you ask if you stay, and they say no, you got to go. Mm. You might just say, <laughs> I'm going to roll the dice <laughs> and just stay as long as I can stay. For sure. And that's where that big number comes from. But recognizing that uh, the black and brown population is huge, let's diminish that number by ICE rounding up black and brown people throughout this nation and getting them out of here while we then influx uh, Eastern European and European immigrants. They're trying to, they're trying to get their numbers up. And if you're not familiar with what the uh, the heartbeat bill or the fetal heartbeat bill is, is that uh, the the embryo, you can track the heartbeat after about six to seven weeks of a pregnancy. So that's your window. So if you're trying to figure out how long do you got, um, you know, you shoot the club, but you better be making moves right then and there. Because after week six, week seven, which is basically the, the period where you can actually determine if you're really pregnant or not, uh, it's yours. Mm. And Alabama is not the only state. It's been uh, proposed or it's on the books or is already having the initial stages where it's been passed through uh, introduced in like Texas, Maryland, you know, through Florida, Georgia, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Ohio, South Dakota. Like they're making uh, South Carolina like they're going to make a a movement of trying to get this, get some weight behind this. And uh, the fact is that they're completely disregarding the woman. The situation of the they ramifications, a, and I'm just saying, damn's about the woman. And, Never and did the idea of saying that we're doing this to protect the baby. So what yeah, you're saying right. is, is that if this woman got gang raped by a bunch of inmates who just escaped from prison, she got to keep it. Yeah. If if Uncle came into her room at two in the morning, she got to she got to keep it. If she got jumped coming out the 24 hour fitness, she got she got to keep it. If her ex boyfriend, who she knows very well, who she hated, didn't want to see anymore, breaks in the house and brutally abuses her she got to keep, keep it. it with no care or concern for what that relationship would be to that child that grows up how much love do you think that relationship's gonna be yeah 
Like, what type of environment do you think that baby's going to be grown in, right. born into? You know, what psychological and physical trauma and abuse do you think that's going to do to the woman? Think what that pregnancy is going to be like. Come on. The trauma that she's going to go through for nine months realizing that what's going to happen one day, what's mm-hmm. coming into the earth and how it got here. Like, I mean, like I say, man, it's not going to be all LeBron James. It's going to be a few Jeffrey Dahmers. Be a whole lot of them. That that was that's how Freddy Krueger got here. I mean, it's shit. The, the, Dylan the, Roof and shit. The woman got trapped in the in the room over the weekend, yeah. and all them inmates raped her, and that's how Freddy Krueger was born. and shit like that, man. I mean, it, it's crazy out here. White folks are crazy. Niggas stop trying to act like them, and respect the fact that there was a courageous twelve year old kid that was doing his Tupac and spitting on who whatever police officers he could, and I still don't know if he spit. And God damn it, it was a goddamn bag. I don't care what y'all people try to convince me with your technological science. And it's a bag. It's a bag. These are stories that we need to report on. These and are things that we need to address. And June 9th, message to the black community. I'm going to have a definite message over there for y'all about some real shit. But go ahead, bro. So for stuff like this issue, stuff that's going to be brought up on June 9th, where can folks find you online? Barry Axius at Facebook, Twitter. And Instagram, and of course, www.blackblueprintswithaz.com. Get some real gear that can help you be black. I actually got some stuff to be submitting to. I'll be writing over there. For yeah, you. yeah, we got our we got our um, our blogs getting back up. We had a major bug, so we've kind of got everything, uh, you know, got back at everything in order. So yeah, man, we need those blogs, man. Push them in, push them in, push them in. I'm Jermaine Morris on Facebook, every other social media platform at J Morris CEO. Been to say something the podcast. We're back season five. Season five, like I said, Chuck T, man, get well, brother. We praying for you, my dude. We got work to do. Come on, man. Come on, get through this. We thank you for listening. Until next show, already. We will holler at you later. Peace.